Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. Standing across from me is Action Jackson. And Jackson would like to start today's show with an apology to you and the audience who want to text in and accept his apology. Air Comfort Service, text line 314-399-9646. Jackson, go ahead. The floor is yours. I'm not apologizing for anything. Oh, my God! I'm not apologizing for anything. Listen. I'm going to have some losses out there. I'm not going to give you winners every single time. But you if, were adamant San Diego State would cover seven and a half points. It looked like they would for a while. but um, can, I, I tell, can I tell the man that when he comes to collect? No, no, you cannot. <laughs> but what I will say is if you don't want to have me now here in, uh, for the NCAA championship, then you don't deserve me in the NBA playoffs, and I'm just going to give you winners on top oh, of winners wow. on top of winners. So – you know, bash me all you want, but if you think you're going to be getting any sneaky picks here for the Western Conference semis, well, you got another thing coming. So you're saying if you don't roll with the San Diego State defeat, you can't get the Nuggets play. Right. That, that's precisely it, Tim. Is I, You know, I might give out some losers, but I'd like you to, to really focus on the winners, and uh, I think you're going to see that I'm winning more than I'm losing. And you... Uh, bet San Diego State to win the entire tour. I did. I did. When the Final Four was finalized after the Elite Eight, I saw. I liked the odd. It was plus three seventy five on the Aztecs, and I said I like that number. I think they have a chance. Uh, and I, I, I lost that bet. But like I said, if you don't want me, you know, April third, you don't deserve me May twenty first. Okay, there it is. So now Jackson's kind of given out the uh, the parameters here. Uh, will not be apologizing, contrary to what I was led to be, uh, believe in the show prep meeting today. So uh, that's kind of a breaking ball that freezes me here when I was sitting on fastball. But I do know that Chris Kerber is going to join this program coming up at ten fifteen, and I do know we have the Lil Piddles Tuesday. Ooh, today's uh... pony. It's like a Tuesday conversation or Tuesday questions. So you don't know on this either. From the office of pills. <laughs> yeah, it's strong. Uh, it's bad. I'm actually going to say it right now. It's not good. What a way to sell it. It's just not good. It's not good. Ladies and gentlemen, please stay tuned for this not good Lil Piddles Tuesday pony. Yeah, well, my first question is aged poorly considering Uh-oh. you hit a right. big Uh-oh. home run yesterday. Uh-oh. But I'll ask okay. it anyways. <laughs> Goodness. Last season, we saw a Paul Goldschmidt flaw in his near flawless game offensively. He struggled to hit out of the gate, got red hot in the middle of the season, and kind of cooled off towards the end of the year. 
Do you think it's safe to say that Goldie struggles a little bit to hit in colder conditions? Is this something to monitor as the season progresses? And, of course, Paul Goldschmidt rips a home run last night. Why must the Lil Piddles Tuesday Pony be sent before the Cardinals play a game or tonight the Blues and the Flyers pregame 6 p.m. right here on 101 ESPN Voice of the Blues. Chris Kerber joining us in 11 minutes. Uh, it's just that it's a, I'm a creature of routine. I always do it at that time. Is it the right thing to do? No. Probably not. But more often than not, it's uh, it works. But it certainly did not work here. So just to be clear, we're not happy with Paul Goldschmidt's start to the season in which he is hitting 500 <laughs> and no. had a home run in last night's no. 8-4 defeat. No. See, that's the, that's the issue is that he has started off hot already. And so then why was the question? Because the man was hitting 500 going into last night's game, and then he went two for four. And that would tell me he just continued the pace. Right, right. An oversight on my part, for sure. Last year, that was the case where he had a a poor April. That's correct. And and so if we were doing a 2022 edition of the Lil Piddles Tuesday Pony, this would be wonderful. But unfortunately, we are in the present and not the past. How do you explain the question? And how is it the leadoff hitter? I mean, if this is the leadoff hitter, (laughs) what's the rest of the lineup look like? Weak. um, What I would say to that is I still think it's something to monitor. Because if he does struggle, like, because last night wasn't cold. Now, it wasn't hot by any means, but it wasn't cold. So I think it is still something to monitor. I just don't think it's like a glaring weakness. What are we mon- I don't understand what we're monitoring. The man was the MVP and he's hitting 500. Like, if there's something you want to pick on, why don't we talk about the starting pitching? I'll get there. But, um... <laughs> but first, there's a guy hitting 500. Yes. And we got to do something about this. Well, what did he do last year? He won the MVP, but still. But he but he came out cold and he finished cold. And I just think it's something to monitor because we've only, you know, last year was one of the very few playoff appearances we got to see with Paul Goldschmidt and he didn't hit. So I just think it's something to monitor. Cold conditions only though. So like today is not going to be a good litmus test for it. Saturday would have been a better litmus test. I think he had a hit though. <laughs> I, I'm scared to ask for the second question, candidly. I'm startled. I'm actually higher on the second question. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. But this Nornarnado is <laughs> yeah. warm garbage. I got a big problem with Gorman. Um, with the emergence of the young talent the Cardinals have offensively, combined with the young arms they have in their farm system, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. it safe to say that Cardinal fans have a lot to look forward to even after Arnado and Goldie shut it down? Is there more of a window coming in the future? I always talk about the window never closing do you think the window actually gets kind of bigger as the years go on with the amount of young talent that the Cardinals have? Well, it's young talent that's unproven at the major league level over a large sample size, but I would agree that the Cardinals uh, seemingly are in a good position going beyond 2023 and 2024, assuming Paul Goldschmidt can hit better than 500. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I, it's actually embarrassing that I'm the only one here holding Goldie accountable. Uh, he had a, he hit 282 last April, 117 OPS plus last April. Awful question all around. That's from the 636. Would you like to respond to that data? Uh, yeah. 282 isn't world ending. It's good. Don't get me wrong. I take 282. But if 500 isn't good, imagine what 282 is. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like 500 is like the floor. Like that's where he should be. Come on. We're skipping over somebody hitting 400, Teddy Ball game, and we're going, 
Goldschmidt needs to hit 600 this year. Well, talk to me in September. If he hits 600 in September, maybe I'll let him slide. But at the moment, and it was, first homer was last night. Where were he against the Blue Jays? Sure, we took two out of three. But still. You just first person pluraled it. I know. And that's how connected I feel with this team. And that's why I'm so disappointed. You first person plural when, when we're talking about Missouri basketball. It's like the only thing I actually give an excuse for saying first person on that. Because, because you feel like you are part of the team. You're part of Dennis Gates' staff. I'm a part of the ZOU family. Um, I'm a true son. 618's about the light. They you surely are. hit me up for money. Seems like a lot. But um, Boy, this guy's bragging about his portfolio again. No, I don't, I, I don't have anything to give. <laughs> I just got done paying the damn thing. Um, Question number three. I've, I've never been more disappointed in the Little Piddles Tuesday pony. Well, it's only getting better, <laughs> baby. During the during oh, the man. women's NCAA title game, the broadcast— All the game Sunday. That's right. The, the broadcast crew is openly critical of the officiating at points throughout the game, which I know I appreciate. Do you also enjoy when this happens, and do you think broadcasters are told to be sparse when it comes to situations like All this? All right, now you've engaged me right there. You've engaged me. I, I don't know what was going on with the first question. I have no idea. I we'll felt like I was it. watching game five of the 2014 NLCS ninth inning. Oh, look at this. There's Michael Walker for the first time in a month. Hello. So I'm now engaged. Yes. I personally love it. I love it. Yeah. I love even if they're wrong, Greg Olson, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. was outspoken yes. regarding a call in the playoffs yes. uh, or in the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, the, the hold that, right, that became right, so right, controversial. Right, right, right. Yes. I love that. I love that. My guess, and this is 100% guess, our guest coming up at 10-15-ish, uh, Chris Kerber, they will be critical of the officiating. He and Joey, back in the day, he and Chaser, certainly Chaser, my God. Uh, and and personally, I love it, but that's the local broadcast. The national broadcast, of which you are referring, rarely, rarely, which is why Olsen stood out so much during the Super Bowl, rarely do they do that. And my belief is, is because the league, or in this case the NCAA, does not want it going on, and these television companies are partners with these leagues and therefore they don't want their employees who almost all of the time are replaceable AF mm-hmm. uh, speaking out of school on the officiating. And since most of the broadcasters know they're replaceable, they color inside the lines, right. which is why getting back to one of our favorite topics, I believe it was on Friday, Charles Barkley, why he is so dangerous is because he doesn't care because he is not replaceable so to answer your question i love it i love it because you know what i think one of the great things that you can do as a broadcaster is say the thing that many people in the listening audience or viewing audience are thinking um and then relating to them and not tiptoeing around the topic such as why in the hell was the first question holding paul goldschmidt who's hitting 500 accountable right well i think that question will actually age well but um the, uh, I agree. Like, if you're allowed to talk about the players and, and critique their play, why would you not be able to talk about their Like, if, if a point guard had seven turnovers in the first half, you wouldn't be like, well, he's still playing great. So if a ref keeps blowing calls, you can't just say, well, I think that was the right call. you got to be objective in both, and I think audiences really appreciate that. Final question. Jim Nance is shutting it down for his NCAA tournament play-by-play career. We often talk about broadcasters that have that big game sound and feel. 
My question is, how does one manufacture that sound? Is it a vocal thing, or does it actually come from calling big games? Is that the only way to get there? It's kind of a chicken and an egg question. It is, and I'm happy to answer it, and I'd like to answer it with an anecdote. Oh, I like an anecdote. July 2001. I'm interviewing Jack Buck at his home, poolside as a matter of fact, and absolutely, truly my hero. Not a player, not a coach, not a manager, the Cardinal broadcaster Jack Buck, just the, the absolute best. And I ask him the question, how does one get to a point of being considered great mm-hmm. in play-by-play? And he answered it with one word, and I still obviously cite this anecdote 22 years later because I think there is so much truth in this word. Longevity. That's what he said. Mm. And what he said, and then he elaborated on it, was if you're around for a long time, people just associate you subconsciously with, in the case of what you're talking about with Nance, big games. So you can't create the sound to be a big game sound. What happens is your resume then creates the big game sound. Right. When Joe Buck started on, whether it be the World Series in 96 with the Yankees and the Braves or his first NFL on Fox game in the early 90s when Fox got the NFL from CBS, uh, I don't think people are going, oh, it's Joe Buck. That's a big game. But that comes with time, and that comes with quality of performance over the course of years. And this is one of the things, you know, we talked about Kerber and his, how he got started in broadcasting last week. Uh, one of the key, from my standpoint, when it comes to play-by-play, ways to judge a broadcaster is how does that person perform in a moment of critical, spontaneous moments of greatness or on the other side sadness for the fan base and i i can still recall kerber's call on maroon's goal in the second round against the stars game 7 2019 i mean that was yeah. that was poetic considering i mean that that, that was played kind of kind of out of nowhere mm-hmm. and he killed it and i think that's how people achieve greatness is that their call is replayed over and over again and then when they're calling a game you associate it subconsciously so certainly nance michaels buck uh whom i feel like i'm leaving somebody out inadvertently and i don't want to do that because then somebody will think it's a personal agenda when in reality i'm just trying to get to the break to get chris kerber on that's what's really going on costas thank you that's exactly right take a break chris kerber is going to join us next this is balloon party driven by mungan at st louis acura on 101 eastman we're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party, the only show in St. Louis with the nerve to criticize <laughs> Paul Goldschmidt for being an MVP in 2022 and hitting 500 through the first four games of the season. Not good enough. Thank you. Someone's got to say it. And Jackson's the person to say it. Uh, it is Balloon Party, driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. You're welcome to get involved. And uh, text in 314-399-9646. Air Comfort Service text line. It is our pleasure to welcome to the program for the Tuesday tradition here during the Blues season. He'll be on the call, the Blues and Flyers. Pre-game, 6 p.m. here on 101 ESPN. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Chris Kerber. Good morning, Kerbs. Tim, good morning. This is really the only reason I get up on a Tuesday. Oh, my gosh. Oh, nice. 
<laughs> oh my gosh! How about that, Jackson? I feel better after that first segment. I feel great all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Curbs, uh, looking forward to uh, talking it over here on the uh, the Blues campaign. I got this one, and I, I'm curious what your perspective is on it. I know what I'm thinking, but maybe you have maybe you have a different answer. In the early 2000s, the Blues had Pronger, McKinnis, and Kachuk as the visible members of the team. In the post lockout era, it was the kids: Oshie, Berglund, Perron, and then a Hitchcock era. You had Bacchus and Steen. They were probably the faces of the franchise. And then in the Cup era, we saw Petrangelo, O'Reilly, and Tarasenko. Who is the face of the Blues era right now, or maybe better, who will be? And do we expect Robert Thomas to assert himself? Or maybe it'll be somebody that Blues pick up this summer? What do you think at this moment in time, sir? Yeah, I think at this moment, uh, and I, I think you've got to keep Steen in there on that Cup era without a doubt. Yeah. Um, as one that bridged that gap, but I, I think you know right now, in my opinion, it's it's pretty much it's it's Thomas Cairo. Actually, you know what? No, I think I got to go Shen. I, I think I think right now for me, Thomas Shen and Bennington would be kind of the, the triumvirate. If we're gonna let's keep it consistent, as uh, your question had, and and since you had groups of threes there, I'll. Yep. I'll say if I took a group group of three, I'd say Thomas, uh, Shen, and Bennington. Are you feeling is the group to lead you the next way? Yeah, I, I, I and with regards to that, I think that kind of speaks to some of the the constant that was with with those groups of three before. Each one had at least one person that you would put into the leadership category, and uh, Shen certainly in that category. Do you feel a little bit better about where things could be in 2023, 2024, based on the last couple of weeks? I realized it, you know, bumping the road here on on Saturday, but an impressive performance against the best team in the league on Sunday before losing in a shootout and then some some offense the previous 10 days or so. Um, how do you view that? I do, actually, and uh, I think for a couple of reasons. I, I think the acquisitions of Verona and Kapanen uh, over uh, the long campaign, we're probably going to see some of the holes in their game that despite both being very solid and high first-round draft picks uh, of their respective teams, Kapanen originally of Toronto and Verona of Washington. I, I think over the course of a full 82-game season, you're probably going to see some of the flaws in their game that led them to be traded from not just one team but two teams, right? Yeah. Each one is now on their third team. Uh, but both guys are going into a contract year with a lot to prove, and we can see what they do this year with a chip on their shoulders. But – You'll, you'll, you'll see, you're even seeing some of, of that now a little bit. So, but, but those are two NHL players. You're not trying to fill that with unknown guys that are unproven in the NHL. You're filling that with players that you know have some pretty good skills. So, so there's two holes there that are filled. The, the other thing for me is, and I still don't know, and I'm not sure anybody on this team knows based on the questions I've asked, to be honest with you, just really what happened and what's gone wrong with this team defensively, whether it be the group of defensemen where things just didn't gel or whether it be how the forwards really are not, you know, doing their part as well, either in the offensive zone. So you're not defending in your own zone as much or, you know, turnovers or even just getting back to defend properly in their own zone. So I have to think that having gone through a whole season and knowing that you've got, the kind of defenseman that you have in Letty, Falk, Pareko, and and Krug, I I really do have to think that 
there's a systemic thing that the coaching staff is going to be working on that's going to change that. And they'll be looking how some other teams have done things, you know, that, 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 that'll go in. And if the team starts well, I think what they're proving down the stretch is, you know, they've been in some games against some pretty good teams, and maybe you're losing them by two goals with an empty net goal, or right. maybe you're getting overtime and it's a shootout. But, you know, they've, they've proven at times to be competitive still. And, and so what encourages me about next year is, is, is how competitive. Like, I'm not so sure, unless something really changes, that you're looking at back-to-back seasons where this team would be drafting in the top ten. I'm just not so sure about that. I think I'm not. I don't know that they make the playoffs next year, but there's. I mean, there's, it's still Thomas, Kyrou, Butchnevich, Shen, Saad. Uh, you know the the defensive core, the goaltending. Mm-hmm. I just the, this cupboard isn't bare. I said that a lot. So how does that translate to? Can you compete with other wild card teams? We'll have to see, but. Yeah, I don't. I I think I think you got to be a little encouraged with what you're seeing here down the stretch. Chris Kerber, our guest, joins us every Tuesday here during the Blues season on 101 ESPN. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. I always like talking uh, media with you, and one of the things that stood out to me uh, a couple months ago, and it, and, it, and honestly, it surprised me. Uh, now, this is more television than than radio-centric, but you certainly have a perspective on it. Uh, is the NHL and the new media deals with TNT and ESPN, and they'll run through 2028. The early returns on the ratings are mixed, and we're likely at the forefront of a rapidly shifting sports media landscape. Uh, what is your impression about how the league feels about their current deal and the timing of it? And then also, what do you think the next NHL media deal would look like down the road? Is Certainly baseball situation with both blackouts, the regionals, uh, sports networks having their problems and filing for bankruptcy. That has gotten a lot of attention. The NHL is now on ESPN. They have a lively show on TNT, um, but the ratings have been mixed on it. So what is your interpretation of it, and what would you like to see, Curbs? Yeah, this is a uh, – okay, this is a uh, – this is a crock pot of stuff here. Nice. Like, I like a good crock pot. Let's you know, go. Yeah, just this is just dumping it all into a pot and cooking it and seeing where it comes out and if you like it later. Um, the So a couple of fronts here. I, I think you have to separate the regional situation versus the national situation, okay? Because the regional situation is just that. It's regional, and it's not impacting every single team in the league per se yet. It's impacting teams that have the games broadcasted on Valley, and with AT&T, if you've got, if you're NBC Sports like the Washington Capitals, if you're Nets and like the Boston Bruins, um, you're NBC Sports like you are in Chicago. Uh, you know, uh, th- there are those situations where, uh, you know, your altitude, although they've had their own distribution issues in, in Colorado. But those are regional and those are going to kind of have to be started out, but it may require an, an overall league strategy to do that. But without a doubt, many of those teams that are impacted could see some revenue drops because those rights deals could look very different or, I frankly, be non-existent. That, that is yet to re- be, remain. That remains to be seen. I mean, we saw today where, like, teams like the Cardinals on the baseball side, they, they were paid by Valley, but uh, I believe the Twins uh, were not one other baseball team. So yeah, I think the Diamondbacks. The Guardians yeah. And the Guardians. Yeah, the Guardians and the Diamondbacks. And so, okay, so that's the regional. The national side that you're talking about, 
There's a big one that's coming up before the, the U.S.-based one, and that's the, Can- uh, the Canadian-based one. Now, I don't know exactly. I don't remember when that deal is exactly done. But Rogers Sportsnet stepped up in a big way and paid a massive amount of money to get the rights from TSN, and they wanted exclusive rights. Well, within a couple of years of that deal going, they realized, man, we're losing some money on this thing. So even in Canada, they realized, man, we overpaid a little bit. And then you see some staff cuts, you see some different things, and the production is still good. The content is still excellent, you know, up there with Rogers in Canada. But I have to think that somehow, some way, much like the NHL has ESPN and TNT, that the Canadian market is going to be better served with a deal that has both TSN and Rogers Sportsnet carrying NHL games up there. I just, I just, to me, I think it makes all the sense in the world. So we'll see how that plays out. But will that be at the same level of what Rogers paid? Probably not. Can you get to the same number of what Rogers paid by having two different partners in, in, uh, in, in out there in Canada? You might be able to. And that's where that leads you to the United States situation. You went through so long and having the different networks. And, then, and I really do think in the end, NBC Sports Network did a great job. But depending on who your carrier was, you may not have had that in the original tier. Like, yeah. to get the NHL, yeah. like, to get NHL Network right now, you still have to almost get, like, by, like, the third highest sports tier on all the carriers, right? If the carriers even carry it, right? But MLB Network and NFL Network are pretty much just included in anything, right? So that's, that's one step. The, the other part of it for me, though, is, is going to be I, I, I'm not overly concerned with the ratings aspect of it now because it's not all that different from what NHL ratings have been done before. What, what TNT is trying to do, which is, and that's, to me, the best-running sports show for a long time in the United States has been inside the NBA and how they've done that mm-hmm. on, on TNT. You don't even have to be an NBA fan to be entertained by it. Uh, and and I think they're trying to figure that out with the NHL, and I think it's fantastic. So I like the set. I like what they've done. I like that they, they've had Gretzky on it for the first two years. There's that aspect of it. I think ESPN has waded into the waters with a little bit of their old-school approach, and I don't know that it works. You know, you've got, you've got a lot of the old guard that, that obviously love hockey at ESPN and things, but I just think sometimes – the coverage isn't as up-to-date as it could be, and I think that they're going to learn from that and grow up from there, too. So I, I, I think these deals are very early on. I like the deals for the National Hockey League. I think the, the, the dollar amounts are good, Tim, and it's just going to take some time. But it's going to be on the league to continue to market. This game continues to grow. This game ticket-wise across the league, tickets are selling well. It's still a ticket-driven league. Uh, individually in markets, it's still – extremely strong on, on most places. Uh, but, you know, when you consider that really it was only 56 years ago that the, the league expanded from 12 to six teams, you know, and they didn't even hit 30 teams until, what, 20 years ago. You're, you're, there are some markets that this thing is still young. And if you're, I, I'm not sure that you can compare it to National Major League Baseball. I'm not sure you can compare it to the NFL. I just don't know that that's, a fair comparison ever in this case. So I don't look at it like that, but uh, I think on its own, the fact that they've continued to increase their rights fees, they continue to have increased interest. I, I think bodes well for the league. If, 
that makes sense, and people can scoop that out of the crockpot, I guess, however they'd like. Yeah, I like a good crockpot, and I like the conversation as well. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a focal point in 2023. At this point, there is an expectation that if you want to watch a game, you should be able to just hop on your phone, especially if you're younger, and be able to watch it. And certainly that is something that baseball has gotten a lot of attention for, in part because of the blackouts, in part because of the RSNs. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you. I'm a big fan of what well, TNT is. Uh, yeah, go, please. Please do. Yeah, so, yeah sorry to interrupt on that. But that so that topic you're talking about, clearly, as you, as you stated, that's not an, just an NHL topic. That's a Major League Baseball topic. That's an everybody topic. And the league that you've got to watch for on this that is in some ways changing the game is MLS. Because I was going to ask you about MLS 90, and what you thought of that. I like that you're bringing this up. All right, yeah. so what do you think? Well, because now the MLS deal, it's 99 bucks a year to have Apple. I think people are getting it for free on T-Mobile. That's correct. Right? And um, it's, it's 99 bucks a year, uh, and I can watch any MLS game live or on demand anytime, anywhere. Okay, so we're out in Anaheim last weekend. And I've got the City SC game up on my computer for the first half of the game before our game started. To be honest with you, they had the City SC game up on our computer until their game ended. During our TV <laughs> timeouts, we were going back and watching some goals, Joe and I were. All right, so, so that makes it easy. Now, fast forward a week later, I'm in Chicago. We've got, you know, a game that night in Chicago. I decided I ended up going to Wrigley Field. I saw opening day at Wrigley Field. I'm like, that was cool just to, to see that. Um, but... But I'm sitting there going, I can't watch the Cardinal game. Now, I've got the Bally app, and I've got Bally's uh, you know, sports at home. I just hadn't set it up to watch out-of-town games yet. So I'm sure had I done that from St. Louis, I, I probably could have. But it shouldn't be as difficult as that is, right? I should be able to, even if you got to pay a one-time fee, I should just be able to say, hey, I'm in my hotel room. I want to watch the Cardinals opening ceremonies, and I want to watch the Cardinal game. And I couldn't do it. Right, that that's a fundamental problem in today's world, and I really believe what's happened is these leagues, they decided we're going to give the terrestrial rights to you know to Bally's to the different networks, okay, and we're holding back on the digital rights. I don't know that the leagues anticipated all the fast cost cutting, but yeah, the, the, cutting, the yeah. terrestrial rights holders have been constantly working on a model that is exponentially getting outdated and almost been ignoring the impact of that. Okay. But then the leagues are like, wait a minute, we can't give up the digital rights because that's a whole nother revenue stream. No, it's not a whole nother revenue stream. It truly isn't. It's a fractured part of your current revenue stream. So all those people that used to just have be able to tune in because they had cable or satellite are now streaming, right? That's being considered digital. Well, it's, it's Robin Peter to pay Paul here a little bit. I don't know. And then, and then now here's the other, here's another big aspect of this. Sorry, it's a little long window. Here's another thing to keep, keep in mind. Because of the efficiencies of how production can be done, most teams now have grown their own content departments. You've seen what the Blues have done on all their digital and social, and, they, and they've been great with it over the last, you know, seven or eight years. Okay? 
They're trying to figure out that they can now do what they had to rely on others. They had to rely on rights holders. They had to rely on TV stations to do, right? There was a time where the only way we were going to get a news story out was we had to call you up at Channel 4 and say, hey, we got this idea. Come over here and shoot this. (laughs) And then you're hoping people will watch it, right? Now it's do it ourselves. But what's happening is these teams have all this content, and they're like, okay, we got to figure out how to monetize it, but then we've got to figure out if there are ways to distribute it. So right now, these regional sports networks – the league and teams are trying to figure out how do we also take what these teams are now doing because they could do it on their own and reach more people with it. So it, it's a really a brand new age. And in some ways, even though the revenue might be less at first because of what's going on with this regional stuff, we may come out with a new dawn that is actually much better for fans on either you can watch the games everywhere, no blackout restrictions, and then much more interesting and engaging content that reaches far more people than anyone can reach now. And that's my hope coming out on the back end of this. I, I With what you're talking about, the ability to access games and the content, that behind-the-scenes caliber content, that is outstanding. And I think it truly is what's going to wind up happening within the next five years and probably much quicker than that. The question will be, is for those who felt like they weren't paying, even though they were paying when they were paying their cable bill or their satellite bill, and now they're going to have to pay, in a sense, almost itemized. Like for me, when I decided to get the MLS package, that I was comfortable doing it, but I know plenty of people who wouldn't be comfortable doing that put a poll out on Twitter, had a few thousand respondents that would not want to pay for, whether it be Cardinal games or Blues games, if they were one-off packages and that is i think it's something that newspapers ran into they gave the content away perceptually for free initially when online came around in the mid-1990s and now that they're asking to be understandably paid for it people are going i'm not paying for it i was getting it for free and so the business model was kind of chicken and egg and topsy-turvy and i wonder what the reaction will be if that time comes that both the blues and cardinals and major league baseball and nhl are following that mls model well, I, so the two sides of it, and you with, with your TMA properties, you, you, you've, you've been in the digital space now for quite a long time. So you have, you have a real good understanding of what is one of the real basic challenges of the digital space. One, it's not as easily accessible, for example, as if you're driving down the road and you're just listening to the radio, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so you've got to continue to educate people where to find me, how to find me, that kind of thing. You have found a way to go pretty much pure digital and, and make it work within a certain business model. But what's one of the digital challenges that before? Before with TV ratings and stuff, these numbers are general, and there's just an accepted rule, an accepted way, right, of this is how we're going to judge ratings. Well, as soon as they came out with PPMs, they realized, okay, these numbers are a lot smaller than what we thought or on the radio side. Then, then you get into the digital world, and it's a lot easier now to actually count almost exact numbers, isn't it? Because you can, you can look at unique users over the course of a month. You can, look at, you, you can get real good specific data. How long are they watching? How long are they listening? Well, when those numbers come into play, then and, and advertisers and the people that want to spend money as sponsors to make all this stuff work, they're looking at it. They're saying, ah, this may not be as much as we need. So this is where the value is. And, and that's also part of this Armageddon that, that I think is teams and leagues and, and consumers get into the digital world. It's what is the value? Now, you're going to have all your diehards that are going to say, I'm paying it because I want to be able to watch it. 
right? But yes, you will have some level of attrition, you know, whether it be because of age, because of income, because of what, that they're just going to say, I can't afford it or it's just not worth it. And here's the problem. And this is real. Like I, I had Dish Network. And when Dish Network got in their second spike with Bally, I said, Gee, I'm not, I'm not. And then I, so I switched over at one point to Hulu. And then they got in a fight with Hulu. I'm like, oh, and everyone's pointing fingers. Go to them. Go to them. It's their fault. It's their fault. I'm like, yeah, and the consumer's getting screwed. Well, I said, hell with it. And I just kept Dish Network because I liked the, I, I liked the, 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 the equipment, the DVR, the service, all that other stuff. So we went without Bally's in my house for about two and a half years. Now, I brought it back last year for baseball when I ended up, uh, I ended up going with Spectrum in this uh, Pick 15 package they have. But then, then I, I got off of Dish Network. Well, for two years, we didn't have Cardinal baseball. I mean, you know me, I'm a huge Cardinal fan, right? Mm-hmm. Huge Cardinal fan. We didn't have Cardinal baseball on in our house unless it was a national game for the better part of two years. You don't think that kind of impacted, say, you know, my kids. Like, now it's on. The game will be on in the background or whatever while things are going on. And for for two years, that was not part of what we watched in our house on a regular basis. And that's impactful. So this is where also leagues are going to have to make sure and teams are going to have to make sure that the games are easily accessible because it's pretty you, – you could learn to live without it if, if you're not careful. That's exactly right. That is, that's kind of the cliffhanger of the byproduct of a lot of what took place in 2020 with the pandemic. People learned they could live without it. Not everybody, but some could. Curbs, uh, I enjoyed the conversation. I can get into this macro-digital uh, television thing in a big way, and we, uh, we certainly did. Thank you so much for the time, sir. Always enjoy the conversation, and uh, have a good call tonight. Blues and Flyers here on 101 ESPN. Thanks, Curbs. All right, Tim. Have an awesome day. Thanks. You too. That's Chris Kerber with us here. We need to break. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to the Balloon Party. Joined by Munganas, St. Louis Acker, and Alden Toyota. We got to make up for time. Curbs and I went, what, 22 minutes there? Yeah. I kind of went in podcast mode. Yeah. I like it. It was a great I'm a conversation. podcaster at heart. That's who I am, Jackson. Yeah. But good news. We got a mic drop. Uh, this is based on Jackson calling up Paul Goldschmidt with his first question on the Little Piddles Tuesday Pony. Let's take a listen. We got a mic drop, 101 ESPN app. You can leave yours. Are you nuts? You're worried about Goldschmidt. Are you crazy? That's You're not even worth listening to when you make comments like that. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And uh, honestly, that was a friend of mine who I texted to <laughs> ask to leave that, and he did. And, uh, Ed and Jackson, uh, your response? It's hard to argue because while I was holding Goldsmith accountable, I can also be held accountable. There's, oh, wow. Because to hold someone accountable, you also have to be susceptible to being held accountable. So this is just the cost of doing business. And what, again, were you unhappy with Paul Goldschmidt, who has a home run and hitting 500 through four games right, and was right. MVP last year? I'm a tad, it was obviously a, a problem in the locker room. Right. I'm a tad concerned about his ability to hit in cold weather. Of course, 
he he cut his teeth. He began his career in sunny Arizona and the uh, Great Ballpark, wherever that is, where the Diamondbacks play. Phoenix. Phoenix. Well, I know it's City, but uh, the name of the uh, ballpark was eluding me. But Chase. That's right. That's right. Chase Field. Um, and so I felt like it might have been covered up a little bit, and they came to St. Louis and struggled to hit in the cold. Obviously, this season— And so you said, damn the evidence— I want to get this thing done and send it to Tim before 5.30. That's what happened last night because I can't wait. I'm the one guy in the area who can't wait to watch UConn and San Diego State. That's what happened last and night. I was That's under, what I believe happened. And I was under the impression the game started at 7. It started at 8.20 p.m. And um, so, yeah, that's part of it. But uh, another part of it is that, you know, I just, I'm just a little concerned about him hitting in cold weather. Maybe not so much April. Let's talk in late September, early October when the weather really starts to drop. And listen, if I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I don't have any reason for concern. But if there is, and he struggles to hit in the cold weather, then I anticipate people's apologies to be as loud as their disrespect. Wow! Yeah, that's what I expect. Uh, more mic drops are welcome. 101 ESPN app or 314-399-9646 for the Air Comfort Service text line. This is Balloon Party, driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Act. You're on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. It's Balloon Party. Driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura. Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson, Paul Goldschmidt critic. (laughs) Here on 101 ESPN. Uh, The Cardinals lost last night. Some people are blaming Jake Woodford. One person is blaming Paul Goldschmidt, who went two for four and hit a home run to continue hitting 500 on the year. Uh, Jackson, no team in the National League is uh, more runs than the Cardinals, but two losses. Yeah. You know that. It's a fun fact for no one tell. It's a good fact. Uh, the Red Sox have more runs than the Cardinals and two losses over in the American League. But uh, as far as teams that have only played four games and have as many runs as the Cardinals in the National League with two losses, the Cardinals are it. They have 26 runs through four games. Lost a game with nine runs in the opener and lost last night uh, with four against the Braves and Charlie Morton. And certainly the starting pitching was something that people going into the season were wondering about. Jake Woodford in to replace Adam Wainwright in the rotation. I was really bullish on it. Me too. And I was a mark. Uh, here is what Ali Marmol had to say about Woodford's performance. Yeah, what gives uh, Woody success is, and if you watched the entire spring, it was a lot of being stubborn at the bottom of the zone. He left two fastballs, four seamers at the top of the zone, and I got clipped. And then a slider that didn't do a whole lot for another homer uh, to their leadoff guy. So um, relied more on the sinker after that five-run inning and uh, was a lot more... Uh, efficient in, in what he was doing, but two four seams at the top got him. And here's how Woodford assessed his performance. Just got to make the adjustment quicker. Um, got burned on some pitches that were up. You know, some couple balls in play found holes and just didn't minimize damage the way I needed to. And, um, you know, battled back and, and made some good adjustments. Just, you know, need to make those a little quicker. That's a great team he was facing. That's a team that the Cardinals could see in the postseason. That's a team that you might see in the World Series. Uh, with the 2023 Atlanta Braves. But uh, last night, the Cardinals did fall behind and came back, and I thought there was a chance they were going to mount the charge. And I think that's one of the things about the lineup. I don't necessarily look at it and go, okay, well, they're down by five. There's no way in the world they could could come back. 
But this rotation situation, it, it reminds me, I mean, granted, we're talking four games, and you're talking about two of the better lineups in baseball that the Cardinals have had to face to start. But like I was saying in, in July and August last year, Blues fans were all over David Perron not coming back, and then things play out the way they did and go, see, Perron should have come back. Not everybody was saying Perron should have come back. Some people were saying, oh, I understand. It's a cap situation. they got to make the move that they make and not bring him back. But now you have another one where Cardinal fans were going, man, this rotation, this is a problem. Well, here is the next man up with Wainwright going down, and his first outing goes the way that it did. All it does is add fuel to the fire as to why the Cardinals handled the offseason with the pitching the way they did. BK and Ferrario are coming up next. We'll see if they have the courage to criticize Paul Goldschmidt, the MVP last year, who's hitting 500 this year. I don't know if they will. I don't know if they I don't know if they will. Doesn't seem like they will. Yeah, we'll see. We'll find out about that. That's coming up next for Action Jackson, Paul Goldschmidt Critic. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Mungan at St. Louis Acura on one one ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.